you know, throughout the years here at uh, Mission Dharma, I've, I've felt as though I needed to to poke a little bit and, and encourage encourage the way I like to think of it is encourage coming out of our of our um, self-absorption our self-preoccupation our little narrow vortex that we tend to live in the, the little mental bubble the the internal drama of the virtual the virtual drama of me the, the version of myself that plays in my mind and I you know try to over the years poke you know come out of that that vert that case of mistaken identity that's not who you are and the more you live in there the more your body suffers because of your living experience your wondrousness it gets lost in the in the process come out of the tangle of me and mine and everything oriented toward my own personal situation my own personal happiness my own goals my own achievement my own enlightenment come out of all that and see that as Thich Nhat Hanh says you're the richest person on earth You've been going around begging for a living. Stop, stop being the destitute child in your imagination. Come home, reclaim your heritage. And, and I, I love doing that because, it's, because it reminds me that, um, and it reminds me to look at each person, as I often do it on Tuesday night. I look at each person and go, wow, the one that sits here is so amazing already. As uh, I think it was, who was it, Emerson, who said, who you are, shout so loudly, I can't hear what you say. So it's always fun to come back to that uh, reality of, of who we are outside of the narrative, outside of the story, independent of our, at least for moments, independent of our what's happened in the past or what may happen in the future. Yet, it, with each person I often, I also talk about it's, it's so amazing, not just what's here and what's now, is how you got here. Your story, it's very interesting. Every person's story is interesting. How you came to be. And hopefully I, I remind everyone to remember that you came, how you came to be was through so many forces, so many causes and conditions that were completely, I would say, 99% out of your control. That you, that we are li literally being lived by a sea of circumstances. And yet we have our, at the same time, magically, paradoxically, we have this sense of individuality and the sense of, of volition, the sense of agency that says, yes, what I do right here and now does affect my future present moments. That whatever seed I plant becomes the, this is the womb out of which my future present moments unfold.
And so not to take anything away from our individuality, but at the same time, we are selfless. We are selfless in that we are being, we have been shaped and are being shaped by, by just beginningless, un, you know, unfathomable circumstances. So the focus often for most of us is narrow and all about our individuality. So I try to kind of poke, poke us out of just the drama of ourselves to feel ourselves and then, but also to, to widen the, the circle of our, our circle of understanding so that we realize that we're, we're part of something bigger. But lately, Lately, with circumstances as they are, the collective circumstances that are influencing us, that are impacting us, day in and day out, each other, the government, anybody's noticed, all the, all, just so much that I, I don't want to get into the details of it tonight. But it, the, all of the sea of circumstances that are making us, literally making us, have become so compelling, justifiably. We need to be awake. We need to be attentive. We need to speak when we need to speak and shout when we need to shout and care when we need to care. But I think as a collective, we have become so focus now on each other, on, on the wider world that we may have lost a little bit of our capacity, not our capacity, our, we have lost our remembering to stay here, to stay embodied, to, to know that the, the only way, at least that I know, that I can be effective, that I can remain in my heart, that I can remain clear, that I can remain caring and not angry, is that if I have my mind settled in my body, if I am, if there's, if I have an internal sense of harmony, and when I say harmony, it doesn't mean I feel good all the time. It means that I'm congruent, that I'm current, with my present state of mind. I'm present with what I'm thinking about. I'm present with the state of my health and the needs that I have to be able to be whole and strong, healthy, and effective. And I think that's what, I think we've gotten too out into our circle of connection. And, and we need to at least balance the inevitability of our need to be, take care of each other, the necessity of taking care of each other, need to balance it with these periods of quiet, periods of stopping. And so I'm so appreciative that, that gatherings like this occur because we don't seem to do it alone. We don't stop alone as much as, uh, as we need. And it's, it's so much, in some ways, it's easier to stop, to be alone together. 
So this is really a central, a central message from the Buddha, who, who when asked, is it not true that keeping good company, good mirroring, supportive company, people who remind you to come back to yourself, remind you of your heart values, remind you of the commitment to non-harming, to clarity, to, to sensitivity to the, your words, your thoughts, and your actions, that when asked, isn't that half of the, of the spiritual life or the awakening life to keep this good company? And the Buddha responded, no, it's not half the holy life. It's the whole of the holy life. That was, the question was posed to him by his cousin and also his attendant, his chief attendant. His name was Ananda. He said, isn't it true, Lord Buddha, that half the, half the holy life is keeping good company? He said, no, it's the whole thing. It's the whole ball of, it's the whole ball of wax. So all of us, especially now, are, and really always, we're looking for refuge, we're looking for safety, we're looking for some place of home, security, from our confusion. And essentially the, the Buddha recommended not just Sangha, Sangha's community association. Sangha is connected to an existing, a pre-existing word in, in the Hindu vernacular called satsang. Satsang, satsanga, which means, sat means truth. Sangha is community. When a community gathers for the purpose of awakening to or staying in touch with truth, just the living reality and the way things actually are, that there is a sacred power. There is a, there's a lifting power. Very comparable, as we often talk about here, to the, to the lifting power of geese who fly together. They get where they're going faster, they get 83% more lifting power, they take care of each other, all these wonderful things when geese fly together. So much different than when they fly alone. So beside this Sangha, as a refuge, as one of, it's considered one of the three jewels of the, of the, the Buddha's teaching, the three, the three jewels or the three refuges. The first refuge, uh, that's one. Second refuge is the Buddha. And many people have turned the Buddha as a refuge into a kind of prayer, a kind of uh, appreciation, a, a way of expressing some appreciation to this historical person who, who through the power of his own attention and his caring, woke up out of, a, out of that delusion of, of separateness, the delusion of self, the delusion of the case of... Uh, mistaken identity, the misplaced faith put in things that can't really give you lasting satisfaction, the, the power of, the power of um, intention, 
to govern the effects of our action, this person somehow or other woke up and realized uh, a profound, unshakable freedom, an unshakable refuge existing as the very nature of his own mind. He saw something so close that we miss it, so wondrous that we, we don't know how to accommodate it, so vast, and really, in some ways, quite easy. We have to refer to our ever-present wakefulness. This is the Buddha. The Buddha means awake. So this human being, we get some inspiration from this person who woke up. But in the most immediate sense of that word, the longing, the refuge we're looking for, we're not looking for refuge in a dead guy. We're looking for refuge in something that we moment to moment can rely on. And that the Buddha is actually the wakefulness that lives within us. And the capacity to awaken in a more and more refined way and awaken to that in us which is deathless, unshakable. That, that in spite of whatever's happening in the world, it remains unmoved, unshaken. It, its very nature, our, the very nature of our mind, is equanimity, is non-contentiousness, non-reactiveness, openness. That is the nature, you could say it's the nature of awareness. So the Buddha recommended, go here for refuge. Don't go to the the hot and the quick and the, and the fleeting. Don't put your faith in things that won't give you any lasting happiness that you can't rely on. Called it misplaced faith. Both our faith in, in the world being the way we want it to be. Any of you ever have that? That kind of faith? Faith in pleasures, in the the belief that if we link enough succession of pleasures together that will make us actually happy. We, don't, we fail to recognize that the, that whole cycle of seeking keeps us in a state of tension, in a state of postponement, because we're always waiting for the next thing. Even though all the, there's such intoxication in thinking about what I want to happen. So much intoxication thinking about my next holiday. So much intoxication thinking about the end of the week when I've finished doing what I had to do. But that even though there's so much pleasure on the surface associated with what I want, the underlying feeling of wanting that is tension. It's somehow coloring the present moment and saying, I can't really, really be happy now. I can't really be at peace now. I'll be more peace at the end of the week. Somehow the, it's these moments that I remember for in the early years of, of leading this class. I... I discovered, I was working on my 
<clears throat> apartment or something, I was doing some project around the house, otherwise known as home improvement. And I noticed that the longer this project went along, the more tension built up. But then there was a, a waking up one day, and I realized it was a moment I was holding my breath, waiting for the end of the project. And it dawned on me that home improvement is endless. <laughs> and then I realized that self-improvement is also endless. And that I don't want to, for one moment, postpone being well. Because if, if you look at the, go to the Buddha for refuge, it's pointing to the fact that wellness is your natural state. Peace, wholeness, enough. It's your natural state. And it's a trick of your mind, I think based on the amount of advertising we've watched, and the wanting mind in general, a trick of our mind that makes us think that we need something to make us happy. When in fact it's exactly the opposite. True happiness from just being empty, open, welcoming life as it comes. But for us to remember that we have to stop and start to feel the, feel the, uh, the juice of sufficiency of enoughness of being present. So easy to miss that. So wake up, you know, the, the first refuge, the community, second refuge, Buddha, or the wakefulness that lives in. And the third, what helps, I think, all of us is the refuge of living in harmony with the way things actually are. In other words, that's called refuge in the Dharma, in the truth of how things are. And that, there's many, many levels to refuge in the Dharma. The immediate Dharma is first, things are the way they are. In our world, that we first and foremost, open to what we find. That we don't spend all day wishing things were other. We first look with an unvarnished, uncompromising view of what's actually happening here. That we don't just hide away in fear and dullness and contraction fantasy, nor do we just live in our reactions to the way the world is. We try to see with as much clarity as possible what's happening here. And we start, we, we look at the systemic issues, we look at our whole system, like for example here, we look at our neighborhood where we're sitting. So mindfulness is, is both panoramic and it's very immediate. There's the, there is the, the, dharma, the, the dharma of, yes, this is the mission. 
The mission is a diverse neighborhood. The mission is a neighborhood that is being slowly, it's slowly gentrifying. It's producing a lot of social conflicts, a lot of conflicts around class and race, and this is happening. This is a truth. This is the Dharma. And we want to have our eyes wide open for how things are. We don't want to be caught in a little dream world. We want to be able to keep our heart open. The Dharma is also whatever you're experiencing here. And a lot of people having a, a lot of intense feelings. A lot of stress. Tremendous stress. And some are feeling so much terror and fear right now. We want to, we don't want to say, eh, you just kind of, just deal with it. Suck it up. Just get over yourself. We want to respect how you're feeling. We don't want to just spend all day thinking about what we're feeling. That's a really strong habit. We want to actually feel what we're feeling. And if we can't feel what we're feeling, you know, we're great at thinking about our feelings, not so good at feeling them. If we're not able to, then we need to learn the skills to feel what we feel and to respect it. Respect our feelings. To be as an act of, of love. A love of the Dharma, love of the truth. What am I feeling right now as you're sitting here? Probably saying, oh, I'm tired. Ready to go to sleep. When's it going to stop? Or, God, I wish this Dharma talk would go on and on. <laughs> but the, so the Dharma is just whatever's happening. The truth of that both in a wider context and an immediate context. But Dharma is also how life is. What are some of the common laws that govern our, our life? So understanding, and this is where the teachings are very helpful to go to for support, for refuge, to test out moment to moment in your life, is that your, that your actions have consequences. Everything you do has a consequence. Everything you think has a consequence. Everything you say has consequence. Everything that comes out of my mouth has a result. Yikes. But what, what really makes a difference, this is Dharma, this is the teachings, but it's also something we can verify for ourselves. What really makes the difference with our actions our speech, our thoughts, our, our action. What really makes a difference is what is motivating us to say what we say, do what we do, think what we think. What's the engine that's driving it? Is my action, is my thought, is my word, is it driven by, by greed? Is it driven by aversion? Is it driven by, by confusion and delusion? Is it... Is it driven by wanting people to like me? Is it driven by wanting to be a benefit? Is it driven by wanting to look good? Wanting to, uh, because I think I'm not good, or look good because then I'll be okay? We want to look at what's driving us to do what we do. And that goes to how we eat, how we drink, how we smoke, how we, whatever it is that we do, 
to distract ourselves once a time. What's the engine that's driving it? What's motivating it? So that the Dharma, refuge in the Dharma says, I'm going to spend every day clarifying what my motivation is. And ideally, one wants to start inclining to have having their motivation. This is also Dharma. That we seem happiest when our motivation, the, the engine driving our life, is to be non-harming, is to do no harm, no matter what. Is to do no harm with our speech, do no harm with our thoughts, do no harm with our actions. That that becomes a motivating force to do everything that in honoring this amazing, this wondrous incarnation, to do everything that produces the possibility of well-being, because your well-being will affect everybody. Your softening heart will, will ripple in ways that you have no idea. Your ill will will also ripple. The line I share so much from the teacher Nisargadat, he says, the world is the way it is because people are the way they are. And as long as people are the way they are, the world will be the way it is. We want a peaceful, non-harming, safe world. We have to have peaceful, non-harming, safe people. It's not something we can impose on the world with laws. or It has to start with each of us. So to keep clarifying what is driving what I do, what is driving my work, what is driving my, my distractions. And then to, to hover. To hover with the Dharma of, okay, if what's driving me is to try to get away from something that doesn't feel workable, let me, let me see if I can take refuge in whatever that feeling is. So again, the Dharma is the... Is, Truth is the understanding karma. The Dharma is living in harmony with the fact this is something that that we should have every day as an advisor that sits on our shoulder, that everything, everyone in our life, everything that we experience, everything, everything has the nature to arise and fade away. Everything is marked by impermanence. And anything that is marked by impermanence is marked by unreliability, unsatisfactoriness. And anything that can, you can lose is not yours. And that includes your own body. So learn to live in harmony with the reality of change. Learn to, I think, I don't know what the content of Tara's talk was last week, but I know that in the heart of it was let go. Learned the natural expression or the natural effect of living in harmony with life the way it is, the nature of impermanence, is to, is to enter into that stream of change, to learn how to embrace the unknown, uncertainty, change, not to try to control so tightly to keep learning how to make even physical gestures of opening our hands, opening our hearts, 
saying to ourselves inwardly, day in and day out, don't know, don't know what's next. I'm planting every possible seed of, of, of um, aspiration to grow, to develop, to create, to do everything that you want in your life. But no, how things turn out is beyond your will and wish. Because circumstances are happening selflessly. We are being, like I said earlier, we're being influenced by so many conditions. But we just keep orienting toward love, orienting toward non-harm, orienting toward letting go. And this is refuge in the Dharma, the way things actually are. So any way that you're not living with, in harmony with the way things are is a place where you're suffering. Where you're, let me put it this way, we're all, we all suffer. But where you are not living in harmony with the way things are is where you're suffering needlessly. The optional suffering in your life. Stress and suffering are inevitable, but mental, the mental suffering about it the reactivity of mind that really comes from not accepting the way life is, that part's optional. So shall we all dedicate ourselves to going to the, a reliable place for refuge as opposed to uh, putting our faith in uh, places that don't give us happiness? Anybody interested in doing a little refuge in the Buddha Dharma Sangha? Doesn't mean you become a Buddhist. It just means that you want to wake up, you want to live in harmony with truth, and you want to keep good company, the people, company of people who will remind you to do that. So let's, um, I think we'll, let's chant the refuges tonight. For those who haven't done this before, the, this is something that's done every day in monasteries and it's been done for thousands of years, and there's something, at least I find evocative about the, the Pali language, which is close to the, uh, it's the scriptural language, but close to the language that the Buddha taught in, uh, but not the same exactly. And essentially what you'll be chanting is, uh, I go to the Buddha for refuge, I go to the Dharma for refuge, I go to the Sangha for refuge three times. And I'll do a very... Um, brief introduction and then we'll do a call and response so you don't have to know. Antamayam Buddharatana Satinayanjam Karamase Namotasa your turn. Namotasa Bhagavato Arahato Samasambuddhasa Namotasa Bhagavato, Arahato, Sama Sambuddhasa, Namotasa, Bhagavato, Arahato, Sama Sambuddhasa, Rudang Sarananga Chami, Rudang Sarananga Chami. Amang Sarananga Chami, Sangam Sarananga Chami, Dutang Sarananga Chami, 
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.